says. And then it says also for um, commanding to abstain from meats. That, that command to, to, hey, do this and you'll be more holy. Well, what it is is you do in order to be. That's the theology of Satan. You do in order to be. And that's what's being, what's being taught here by the doctrine of the devil. The examples given here of forbidding to marry, to abstain from meats, that's te those teachings um, are clearly described here as stemming from devil's doctrine, but they're adopted and practiced in a very prominent so-called Christian religion even to this day of forbidding to marry. Uh, priests in the Catholic Church not allowed to get married. Um, Bible says here that's the doctrine that comes from Satan. It's adding to what the Word of God teaches is what's right um, and, and what's required of men. What is the essence of this doctrine? The essence of the doctrine of the devil is that holiness is achieved through works. The doctrine of Satan is that you can be made holy by what you do. You can be made holy by your works. And this is the doctrine that he offers to the unsaved. He, millions of people are going to end up in hell thinking that they were on their way to heaven. That's because they were convinced by the doctrine of the devil that you're made holy by what you do. What you do brings you to holiness. And your, your efforts, your works, you go to church, you give money to the poor, you be a good person, you don't kill anybody, um, you're going to get to go to heaven because you're made holy by what you do. That's the doctrine of the devil. That's contrary to the word of God. No man can make themselves holy. No woman, no child, no one can make themselves holy by their own effort. That's something that only God can do. We know from, again, the express, the Spirit speaketh expressly, the clear teachings of Scripture, that we cannot be saved by our works. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That we are not saved by what we do, we're not made holy by the things that we do. But that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to corrupt, and he wants to condemn sinners. He wants to condemn sinners by getting them to believe that I can be made holy by the things that I do. But this is a doctrine he offers to the saved as well. Because what does he want to do? He wants to condemn sinners. He wants to corrupt saints. Satan teaches you can be made holy by your works. He doesn't stop trying to teach this just because you got saved. How is a Christian made holy? By Christ. That's how we're made holy. But how do most Christians think they're made holy? Because I go to church because I read my Bible, because I give money to, money to the Lord, because, because I, I do good things. That's what makes, no, 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 Christ makes you holy. You're not made holy by what you do. Now, you do those things because you are holy. They're all good things to do, and every Christian should be doing these things. But why are you doing them? Are you doing them so that you are holy, or are you doing them because you're holy? And uh, that's the difference. Satan says you can get to holiness on your own without God. As a Christian, he teaches you you can get to holiness on your own, Without God, He wants you living in the power of the flesh. Just like those things, reading your Bible, going to church, they can't make an unsaved person holy. They can't make a saved person holy either. In Galatians, I mentioned that already, Galatians chapter 1, Paul teaches about this other gospel, that there's another gospel. And he warns them about listening to someone who would teach another gospel. And it's moving away from the clearness and the simplicity that's in Christ. That's in chapter 1. When you get to chapter 3, he deals with this idea specifically. Let's just go there together. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. couple pages back. So he's, he's giving them context, warning them, hey, there's this other doctrine out there. There's this other gospel out there. And he's talking to believers. 
and he's warning about this other gospel. And notice what he says in verse number two. This only would I learn of you. He said, I just got one question. I got one question for you. All right, verse number two. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing of faith? How did you get saved? By what you did or by believing in faith in Christ? Which one is it? How did we get saved? By faith. All right, look at verse number three. Are ye so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, you're now made perfect by the flesh? Hey, if you got saved by your faith, how are you made perfect now by your works? He says that's a corruption of your, of your theology, that you're, you're thinking that I'm made holy because of what I do. And that's the corruption he's discussing here in Galatians chapter 3. Very clearly, have you begun in the Spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? Obviously not. We aren't made perfect by what we do. We're made perfect. We're made holy by Christ. And then there's things that we do. James, we've been looking at that with Pastor on Sunday nights. He talks about that in James chapter 2, faith versus works. But faith brings about works in our life. It's not our works bringing our faith. It's not our works that, that, that make us faithful, that make us holy. Our holiness, um, our holiness produces works in our life. So we see the devil's doctrine. It's real that he's out there and he's corrupting uh, Christians and he's condemning sinners by getting them to believe a lie, a lie that you're made holy by what you do. Secondly, we see the reason for the devil's doctrine. Why is he doing this? Why is he teaching this false theology? Remember, again, he's ultimately targeting the throne of God. And he does this by supplanting God's authority. He doesn't need you to worship him as long as God is not the one on the throne in your life. Consider this, consider this doctrine. You're the one that makes you holy. So who's truly the only one that can make someone holy? Who's the only one that has that authority? God does. But if Satan can convince you that you make yourself holy, he's caused you to take God off the throne of your heart and put yourself there instead. That I'm the, I'm the basis of my own holiness. You've just taken God's authority out of your life. And then God's standard goes away. And then if you're the basis of your own holiness, you get to decide what makes you holy and what you do and what you don't have to do and what you, what you believe, what you don't have to believe because you've supplanted God's authority in your life. Satan in this passage, back in um, uh, first, first Timothy, he's talking, he's targeting the saved. We know according to 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that he's blinded the eyes of those that believe not, so he goes after the unsaved. We also know from Matthew 24, he wants to deceive the very elect. And we see here in 1 Timothy 4 that he has succeeded in causing some to depart from the faith. This is the idea of someone who is apostate, someone who knows the truth, and they've gone off on their own. They've been convinced of a lie. They believe something different. So we see the reality of Satan's doctrine. We see the reason for his doctrine. He wants God off the throne of your life. He wants you to do what you want to do. In fact, um, the, the satanic church, they have a Bible. They have a satanic Bible. In the Bible, it's not commanded there to worship Satan. The command in the satanic Bible is, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. You do whatever you want to do. That's what Satan wants to teach. Teach you do you. That's the doctrine of the devil. You do what you want to do, and you be your own authority. And then what he has he done? He's taken God's authority away, and he's put you in charge. And then he's seen a victory. What's the result of the devil's doctrine? He has small victories in his attack on the throne of God by condemning sinners because they believe his lie and by corrupting saints. He causes some to depart from the faith, and he causes most to live in the power of the flesh. 
Look secondly this morning, we see his doctrine that he's trying to teach. Secondly this morning, I want to look at the devil's discussion or, or what is he talking about? How does he bring people to this false understanding? And we kind of look at a pattern he lays out in his temptations. You know, when the devil comes, his doctrine is very subtle. He doesn't come to you with a red tail, uh, with horns, carrying a pitchfork, smelling like smoke, and inviting you to be a mass murderer. That's not how the devil comes into your, he doesn't come into your life that way. In fact, his doctrine often sounds pretty good. Hey, you're a good person because you go to church. That's, that, that sounds pretty close. That sounds, you know, is, is it really that big of a difference to say I'm made holy by what I do or I do what I do because I'm holy? That, that seems pretty close. That seems, it seems like it might have a ring of truth to it, and that's the devil's lies. They have a ring of truth to them uh, that, there is, that, that is close. His doctrine sounds really good. The name Satan carries the idea of an adversary. According to one commentator I was reading, it's, it's more related to the idea of an imitator or a counterfeiter than it is to a, um, someone who's coming in opposition, like an opposing force. Someone who's coming in with more sneakiness or more subtlety than just an opposing force you can identify. That's the idea. And we see Satan often is just alt- offering an alternative. An alternative. You can do this instead. Yeah, I know that's what God wants, but what if you did this instead? And, it, and it's close, and, it, and it's just right, right there. He's an imitator. You know, devil's described in 1 Peter as a roaring lion. The devil walketh about as a roaring lion. But who's the real lion in the Bible? Lion of the tribe of Judah. Well, he's an, he's an imitator. He, he, he's sneaky that way. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 tells us that Satan is transformed into an angel of light. Um, he looks really good. God has the gospel. Satan has another gospel. When Jesus was tempted, he quoted the Bible. The devil responded by misquoting the Bible. They both quoted part of the Bible when they were doing it. When the Antichrist comes, he's going to be riding on a pale horse. When Christ comes, he's riding on a white horse. God says being holy will affect what you do. Satan says what you do makes you holy. He's an imitator. He puts his, his doctrine right there and says, look, this is close. This is just, just an alternative. You can do this instead. Think of um, Cain and Abel. As they're making a sacrifice. Yes, the sacrifice required was the, the, the shedding of blood by, by an animal. But hey, Cain, you can sacrifice by giving the best that you have of these fruit to God. That's the best you have. And you've worked so hard for this. And God should accept it because you've worked hard at it. God should accept you because of what you've done. It was close. They both made a sacrifice. But only one was accepted of God. Satan offers an alternative. That's what, he, that's what he does. When we look at Satan's talk, we can see a pattern. First, he begins with sowing doubt. You come, when you compare the, the temptation, and we'll look at this a little bit more next week, but the temptation of Eve and the temptation of Christ, he starts by sowing doubt. What did he say to Eve? Has God said? Is that really what God said? Are you sure about that? What about when it came to Christ? If thou be the Son of God, if you're really God's Son, are, are you sure about that? He wants to bring doubt. He wants to bring doubt. We talked about last week how doubt corrupts obedience. If there's confusion, then there, there's unsurety and obedience isn't going to take place. So he brings doubt. We see also that he's a liar. He's going to misrepresent the truth. What did he tell um, Eve in the garden? Thou shalt not surely die. No, no, no. I know that's what God said, but no, no, no. It's not what he meant. I know that's what God said, but that's not what God meant. Um, and he, he brings in the lie there. Talking about um, when he talked to um, Christ, he twisted the word of God, and he said something that God didn't say. Oh, yeah, the Bible says this. Well, no, you go compare the Bible. It's not what the Bible said. He, he twisted the scriptures, and, and he made them say something they didn't say. So he lied. Then he attacks God's goodness. 
This is an important one. Roman, um, not sorry, Romans. Romans, I believe it's chapter 5. I might not be right about that. Says that the goodness of God leadeth men to repentance. And if he can corrupt God's goodness, make God not seem good, he can turn people away from God. And so what did he do to Eve? He said, you know what? God doesn't really want what's best for you. You know, he said he, he said he didn't want you to eat this fruit. That's because the fruit's really good, and he's keeping something away from you. He, he's, got, he's so strict, and he doesn't allow you to have freedom. And he's, he's twisting God's goodness. Thinking about Christ. Oh, God really wouldn't want... Well, you're following God, and, and you've been hungry. You can just turn this food, these rocks into some bread and, and meet your own needs. That's what, that's what would be better for you than what God has for you. And, and taking away from God's goodness. Then he appeals to man's pride, and he undermines God's authority. You can choose this for yourself, and uh, then you won't need God anymore. What do you tell Eve? You shall be like God. Well, if you're like God, then who needs God? Because you can be the one in charge. You can be the one making the decision. He undermines God's authority that way. What do you say to Christ? If you're really God, you can cast yourself down. The angels have to catch you because the Bible said they would. You can, you can manipulate God with your behavior. You can be the one in charge. You can be the one with the authority. He appeals to the pride of man. He attacks God's authority. He also makes an appeal to selfishness. You know, Satan knows a lot about selfishness. We looked last week at the five I wills. I will, I will, I will, I will. This is what I want, and what's, what I want is most important. I don't care about what God says. Contrast that with Christ, who is our example. What did Christ say? Not my will. Not what I want, but yours. Not my will, but thine be done. Satan says what I want is most important to me. And that's what he's going to present to us. Hey, what you want is better than what God wants for you. What you want, what you think, what you believe, that's more important than what God says. He tempts you with selfishness, and he invites you to put yourself on the throne of God. What do you tell Adam and Eve? You shall be like God's. You're going, to, you're going to have that authority. You're going to know things that you don't know right now. You're going to have the knowledge of good and evil. You're going to have all these things that God's been keeping from you. God said you couldn't, but you can say you can. You can have that authority in your life. What about when you tempted Christ? You can have all the kingdoms of the earth now. You know, Christ is going to get all the kingdoms of the earth. And Satan says, I'll give them to you now. And you don't have to go through with God's plan of going to the cross and everything. You just have those kingdoms now. You can, you can be the one in charge. You can decide your own timeline and not have to listen to God's authority. This is what he wanted for himself. He wanted God's authority. He wanted to put God's position. I'll ascend above the clouds. I will have the throne of the Most High. What did he want? He wanted God's authority for himself. And he offers that same temptation to everyone he tempts. You can have God's position. You can have God's authority. You don't have to listen to what God says. You can make your own decisions. That's what he's tempting mankind with. That's what he says. He teaches his doctrine to continue his attack on the throne of God. And he'll do that anywhere he can, including in the heart of a believer. He'll take God off the throne of your heart anytime that he can. And he doesn't want to sit there. He wants you to sit there. He wants you to be the one that is your own standard. He wants you to be the one that makes your own decisions. And he wants you to be the one that decides what's right for you instead of God having that authority. So how do we get to the devil's defeat? How do we overcome Satan's talk, overcome Satan's wrong theology? It helps us understanding what he's trying to accomplish, what he's trying to do. Again, undermining God's authority in the life of a believer by making them their own standard of holiness. You're made holy by what you do. That's what he wants to teach. But if we're going to identify error, the most important thing we need to do is to be, to be able to understand truth. In order to identify error, you have to understand what is true. You know, the illustration has been given many times. 
but you don't uh, learn how to spot a counterfeit bill by studying all the different ways people can counterfeit. Because if you try to be an expert on all the different styles of counterfeiting, you, somebody's going to come with a new style and you're all messed up. What do they do? They, they teach you to handle the real thing. And when I know what's real, I can spot what is fake. Um, I was thinking of another example of this, and this is probably a horrible illustration. Uh, but when I was a teenager, my great-grandmother uh, moved in with us for a while. And my great-grandmother loved playing card games, not the gambling games, those things. She played just different card games with a deck of cards. And we played with her a lot because that was before teenagers had cell phones. Uh, so we didn't have anything to do in the evening except for play card games with our great-grandma. Uh, so we played, and, uh, and I, I learned how to do different things, manipulating cards, and I really enjoyed keeping my hands busy with that. It's fun what you can do with, with a deck of cards and playing around with them and the different things you can do. And I got to uh, the habit of fiddling with them a lot. And I would fill with them, and as I was, I was homeschooled, I'd watch my school. I'd be just shuffling a random deck of cards, just moving them. But what I'm saying is I got really familiar with a deck of cards. And what I could do is I could pick up a deck, and I could tell you if the jokers were still in it just by holding the deck of cards. I could tell you if some cards were missing. There's about three or four cards missing out of this deck because I knew what a real thing felt like. And I could spot something that wasn't real because I'd handled the real thing so much. And when it comes to identifying the devil's doctrine... We need to be able to handle the real thing. The more you handle this, the easier it will be for you to spot the faults. The easier it will be for you to spot the imitation. The more you handle what is true. We cannot hope to try to learn every lie that the devil is going to throw at us. But what we can do is become so familiar with the truth that we can spot a fake just by instinct. And I've had this happen many times by people in the church or people that I, that I know. They'll come to me and say, hey, can you listen to this? Because I'm not sure what it was, but something just didn't sound right about what this guy was saying. Can you read this? I'm not sure. I couldn't pick it out, but it just didn't ring true. There was something wrong. I don't know what it is, but something didn't sound right about this guy. And what it was was, I don't know what the counterfeit is, but I know it's not what's real. Because I know what's real. I know what's true. I know what's right. And this just doesn't fit. This just doesn't match. And that's how we identify error. And when that, we could call it a... Uh, um, a counterfeit detector, when that starts to go off in your heart, you trust that thing. And you say, hold on a minute, that's the Spirit of God and your knowledge of the Word of God working to warn you about some false teaching. When you're on YouTube and this thing gets shared with you about this theology or this prophecy that somebody just found out about and you're listening, something just doesn't sound right about that. That's a good thing to listen to in your heart. Uh, because you know what's true, you've heard what's true, and stuff does, just doesn't start to match. That, that warning is there for a reason. It's to protect you from that counterfeit you need to learn to trust that distrust that you have for that. So if you're going to identify, you're going to defeat the devil's false doctrine, you have to be very familiar with what's true. You need to know what's right. You need, to, you, need to, you need to recognize and be familiar with the Word of God so when the devil comes along with his lie, you can spot it right away. You know, Jesus knew the Word of God. He quoted the Word of God. And when the devil came along and quoted the Word of God, he knew the devil misquoted it because Jesus knew the Word of God. He is the Word of God. And he was able to pick out the misquotation by Satan. And we should be the same way. We should be so familiar with this that when something comes along, we say, wait a minute, that doesn't, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right. Many of you can do that when you see you're reading a, a sign at a Christian store. You're like, mm, that doesn't sound like King James, right? Because we're familiar, we're familiar with this. And so we can start to spot that's not quite the same thing. And we pick that out. And that's what we should have when it comes to our knowledge of the Word of God and um, being able to spot the lies that Satan's trying to tell. So in order to identify error, you must know the truth. Secondly, you must keep God on the throne of your heart. 
keep God on the throne of your heart. Satan is not afraid of a Christian living in the power of the flesh. Uh, that if you're living the power of flesh, you're defeated by the flesh. And you say, well, I, I go to church, and I, and I read my Bible, and I pray, and it's all motivated by me trying to be spiritual. And I'm trying to pursue my own holiness and my own strength and make myself holy because of what I do. And then Satan says, well, he's, he's not standing on anything. She's not standing on anything. Because we're, we're pursuing stuff in the power of our flesh instead of keeping God on the throne of our heart. We've taken ourselves and put ourselves in charge and moved God off the throne. We could take right here and insert the whole lesson I taught a couple weeks ago on self-reliance. That we rely on ourselves instead of relying on God. And uh, go, if, you haven't, if you didn't hear that or you don't remember, it's available on Sermon Audio. Go back and listen to that lesson on being self-reliant or overcoming self-reliance. This, again, is the doctrine of Satan. Take God off the throne. Put yourself in charge. That's what he's trying to teach. Again, going back to his goal, he wants to destroy God's authority by condemning sinners and corrupting saints. So we can say that he is overcome or he is defeated when sinners are converted and saints are consecrated. When sinners are converted and saints are consecrated, the way we fight against the other gospel that Satan's putting out there is by putting out the truth. And so that the light of the glorious gospel can shine in, as it's talked about in 2 Corinthians, where he's blinded the eyes of those that are unsaved, and they can't see the light of the glorious gospel. Well, somebody's got to bring that light and shine it into their lives. And that's why we go out and we do John and Romans, and we knock on doors, and we pass out tracts. We'll be getting new tracts for the track pack this week. You do that so the light of the glorious gospel goes out, and Satan's doctrine is defeated. That people can hear the truth and be able to identify that's what's wrong, this is what's right, and if I want my life to be right, i got to go along with what God said. And we shine the light of the gospel, and Satan is defeated whenever someone gets saved. Because his doctrine has failed, and Christ's doctrine has won out. So there's the doctrine of, uh, that we see sinners converted, and Satan is defeated. We also see um, Satan defeated when saints are consecrated. We need to be holy before God so that our holy work emanates from our holy walk. We do right because we are right. You're holy. Um, you've, you've been made holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation. We start by being right, and that causes us to do right. It all starts with our relationship with God. So how's your relationship with God this morning? We can do all the right stuff and look pretty good. We can be at church. We can dress up nice. We can say the right things. We can avoid the wrong things. And everything looks really good, but only you know how things are at between you and God. Because you can have two people, one who's, who's dressed right, carrying their Bible, sitting in church, saying amen, and they're not walking with God. And they're living the power of the flesh. And they're made holy because of what they do. At least they think so. And they're sitting on the throne of their heart instead of God. Or you can have somebody dressed right, carrying their Bible, sitting in church, saying amen, that has a sweet relationship with God. And everything they do comes out of wanting to please the God that they're walking with on a daily basis. Where are we at today? Are we following Satan's theology of I'm just going to do right so that I look right? Or I'm going to be right with God and that's going to affect every other area of my life? 